This is Briar Klopp, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Greenbush, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. Well, strong winds that pushed through the region yesterday and this morning have died down. National Weather Service meteorologist Mindy Behrens in Grand Forks says temperatures will cool off now for the next few days. Yeah, so for the rest of this week across the area, um, we're going to remain cooler. It should be a little bit less windy than we've seen over the last 24 hours, more typical of seasonal norms. So today we're looking at highs uh, right around single digit, 0 to 10 above, a similar day on Thursday. And then Friday does warm up again more towards the mid-20s to uh, near freezing in some locations and then kind of remains in those mid-20s as we go into the week weekend, a little cooler again next week. Uh, the next few days, looking at mainly dry conditions, maybe a slight chance of some snow uh, into the weekend, uh, but otherwise, for the most part, no large systems in the next few days other than you know what we're just moving out of the last uh, 24 hours. Barron says the above average temperatures we've been soaking up the past few days are essentially done. As far as like getting several days worth, we do have you know, near freezing or, or just above freezing expected uh, for uh, later this week, it looks like, you know, um, Friday and uh, Saturday just a little bit below. Uh, but overall, um, kind of remaining near the seasonal averages or slightly below for about the next seven days. Three to seven inches of snow is expected to fall today from Colorado through Kansas and Nebraska, up to 10 inches through the Great Lakes region tomorrow. World Weather Incorporated says moisture totals in the snow are not heavy, but it will be beneficial when the snow melts. The next storm system is expected to impact the Ohio River Basin next week, uh, next Tuesday through Thursday, maintaining a good outlook for spring planting. Is expected to receive timely rains during the next two weeks while southern Argentina remains dry. World Weather Incorporated says southern Argentina will finish out the month of February drier than usual with moisture stress pressuring yields. Increasing rains are expected across central and center west Brazil, benefiting crops but also slowing harvest and second crop corn planting progress. President Joe Biden has nominated Sochil Torres Small to be the next Deputy Secretary of Agriculture. Torres Small is currently the USDA Undersecretary for Rural Development and previously represented New Mexico in Congress. Torres Small succeeds Deputy Secretary Jewel Bernard, who is stepping down. USDA Animal Plant Health Inspection Service Administrator Kevin Shea will serve as the Acting Deputy Secretary in the interim. Minnesota House Ag Committee held a hearing yesterday afternoon regarding grant funding for Second Harvest Heartland and Cooperative Grant Program eligibility for Minnesota Milk Producers Association modifications. Second Harvest Heartland Director of Sourcing and Demand Planning, Julie Van Hoven, says that maintaining steady funding to keep milk on food shelves is important. When Second Harvest Heartland's allocation of milk grant funds ran out in October, we made the decision to continue to subsidize the cost so that milk remained free for food shelves. This amounted to an additional $200,000 we were paying each month, money that we, weren't, that we were spending on top of our budgeted food costs. We were lucky to be in a financial position to be able to afford that at the time, but we can't always guarantee that that's going to be the case. Our hope is that the milk grant can be used to provide consistent access to free milk for Minnesota food shelves in the years to come. A second bill, House File 1, 
0.034 would reestablish the cooperative grant program. Minnesota Farmers Union Vice President Ann Schwagel says that this bill would benefit rural farmers and small communities. On behalf of both our cooperative and the Farmers Union, I want to share our strong support for House File 1034. We've worked on this in past sessions and are eager to see these grants funded this year. The cooperative model was important for a couple key reasons. First, because it allowed farmers and rural communities to benefit from the opportunity that is commercializing this new crop. As we build our cooperative, instead of any returns going to shareholders, they go back to our farmer members to be reinvested into our co-op or directly into our farms. This benefits our communities because the money is revolving back to Main Street businesses and others in our local economy. Former U.S. Senator Heidi Heitkamp says waters of the U.S. is an issue once again and reflects on challenges she's had during her time in office. Well, during my time in the Senate, I tried very hard to educate members who, you know, when you said waters of the United States and this is what EPA wanted to do, they automatically assumed that those were things that were appropriate. I took pictures from airplanes, of especially the prairie pothole region, and I would put a big blow-up of those on the floor of the Senate, and I'd say, tell me what is waters of the United States. I spent a lot of time with Senator Inhofe um, talking about how we needed to legislate in this area to get out of the cycle of regulation, court decision, regulation, court decision, that it really was time for Congress to step up and help define navigable waters under the Clean Water Act. According to Heitkamp, the issue boils down to property rights and why this ruling matters to property owners. It didn't make me very popular always within my own caucus, but I think we tried very, very hard to educate on why there was this level of concern among farmers and among rural people about the waters of the United States ruling. Um, I think those debates will continue. I think it's likely the courts will once again get involved and so we won't have certainty for American farmers. Um, but I think we got to start with the idea that um, private property rights matter and without a compelling federal intervention with, with clear uh, language in a federal statute, you don't have any right to regulate private land. Soil samples indicate low levels of overwintering wheat midge larvae for the coming growing season. NDSU Extension entomologist Jan Noto says that 98% of soil samples had zero midge cocoons compared with 95% last year and 86% in 2021. It's also the lowest midge cocoon count since surveys started in 1995. Noto says only about 2.5% of the soil samples were positive for wheat midge cocoons with density range from 36 to 140 cocoons per square meter. This is the Red River Farm Network. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. U.S. Representative Kelly Armstrong of North Dakota is cautiously optimistic about getting a farm bill passed this session. He would be the, it would be the first large piece of bipartisan legislation the body will have gotten passed during his time serving as representative. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. Well, I think it'll get accomplished the same way it has in the past by getting a bipartisan coalition. You're always going to lose people on the left. You're always going to lose people on the right on the farm bill. So we're going to have to build a coalition. Uh, the people on the Ag Committee in the House are the right people to do that. This will be the first time in my four years of Congress that we have moved a big bipartisan bill from the House side. So that's a little uh, actually kind of depressing in general, but it's something that is necessary and we need to work forward on. 
Armstrong says if the farm bill does not get passed, there would be political consequences. For the most part, anybody who likes to eat a loaf of bread, drink a gallon of milk, or eat a steak cares about the farm bill, whether they know they do or not. But as this country has gotten more segregated, you know, urban areas have gotten more blue, rural areas have gotten more red. So the political consequences to not passing a farm bill are going to be, uh, I mean, primarily felt by Republicans, and I hope we're smart enough to recognize that. CoBank lead grain and farm supply analyst Ken Zuckerberg says the supply chain in 2023 is better equipped to handle bottlenecks, especially with inputs and fertilizers. Generally speaking, there are less bottlenecks uh, in the system as we come into this spring planting season. Of course, we had some challenges with low water levels on the Mississippi River back in the fall, and that impacted both grain leaving the Midwest as well as fertilizer being shipped into the Midwest. So that was uh, sort of a seasonal challenge that perhaps had nothing to do with uh, Russia, Ukraine, and, and Europe. Um, that situation has uh, also largely become normalized. So we see the uh, logistic piece not being a problem for spring. Zuckerberg says while fertilizer prices are on the downward trend, price risks are still out there for co-ops. Risk management practices have been tightened quite a bit over the last 10 or 15 years to the extent that um, you know people raise the issue of, wow, could, could U.S. cooperatives be on the hook and not a risk of asset write-down due to the decline in fertilizer prices. We think generally uh, U.S. co-ops are managing that risk pretty aggressively. Uh, we don't think fertilizer will be a major driver of planning decisions, and we also think that the co-ops are managing through that price risk. Well, grain markets are lower today, but generally in a sideways range-bound trading pattern. Corn Belt Marketing Market Analyst Sam Hudson expects that to shift, though, as we move closer to March. And so just kind of in this listless, directionless, adrift market, I think that changes a little bit more as we get into March and start you know, debating acreage and so forth. But at this point, we're still just kind of trading the, you know, the tail end of the South American weather season. And, and whenever the, you know, we see the demand shift, if it happens, it'll still impact that. And uh, setting the February insurance price also really not a major market factor. You know, does it really affect the market much? I don't think so. You're going to be looking at some of these February Outlook Forum numbers coming up, but uh, a lot of that data is, you know, based on surveys taken last November. I think you're really going to see, you know, more market movement as we get to the end of March. Like I said, on, the, on you know, USDA acreage and, you know, range on corn could be anywhere from 90 to 93, and, and Mother Nature and prices will still impact that. Clayton Pope, Commodities President. Clayton Pope says the pressure in the grain markets is money flow. The crude oil is down $1.50. Um, they just had an inventory bill. I guess it's the fourth biggest weekly bill in history. So, I mean, this crude oil is uh, kind of fighting some headwinds there. But um, I guess I'd, I'd blame part of it all on a strong dollar. The dollar is uh, surging. It's been pretty resilient lately in general. Today it's up 78 ticks, which is a big move. I mean, that's... Uh, about a 0.76% move, which you don't see happen that often in currencies. That's prime, it's, it's, let's see, it's, um, it's the highest it's been since about the first week of December. So, uh, that generally, you know, puts pressure on commodities. Pope says the strength of the inverses in the market are a little unusual. Kind of surprised that's the way these inverses have held up as long as they have. I mean, even that corn market, well, both the corn and beans, which have, for the most part, had you know pretty lackluster demand. Uh, you still have inverses there, not only between the March May, but also if you look at like the 
the uh, old crop, new crop inversions are still holding pretty firm, which kind of a head scratcher there, I think. This is the Red River Farm Network. Good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Elanco Animal Health Technical Service Support Mike Brown says feed prices are spurring livestock producers to adapt to new additives quicker. We have some of the highest grain prices we've seen since about 2014. Uh, it's not new today. It's been that way for some length of time now. Um, and so customers have been pretty continually adapting in that climate to be able to make sure that that the, the capital outlay or the spend that they do have is the most appropriately placed for the revenue they might get. And one of those, of course, Rumensen's been around for a long time, um, still as wonderfully effective as it was at inception. And, and that's been a, a really useful tool for customers to be able to improve feed efficiency, so get more out of the feed that's consumed. Sustainability is being factored into feed production and usage. Those steps are being taken now. Part of, part of the logic there is, is there a mechanism or can we create a mechanism where besides the improvement in feed efficiency that, that a customer gets from using a product, the benefit to the environment that might come from that use, is there a way to measure um, and monetize, perhaps be a different income stream, for customers as a consequence of using that technology. So that's where those efforts are, are being directed. USDA is making funds available for farmers who participate in voluntary conservation programs and adopt climate smart practices. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack said the Inflation Reduction Act, Act provided additional funding for the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, Conservation Stewardship Program, and the Regional Conservation Partnership in the Agriculture Conservation Easement Program. Applications for land and wetland easements for this funding cycle must be submitted by March 17th. Checking markets before we leave you. March wheat in Minneapolis down eight and three quarters. Chicago is down 15 and three quarters and Kansas City down 11 and a half. March corn's down six and a half. December down four. March soybeans down 13 and a quarter. And November beans down nine cents. Canola down $4.90 a metric ton. Thanks for joining us. This is the Red River Farm Network.